following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still other Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be with you all today. If I'm an unfamiliar face to any of you, let me add my welcome to that of Aaron's. My name is Tom. I worship here at St Nick's and it's really wonderful to have you all with us this morning. Shall we start with a prayer together? Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, we thank you that your word brings life and hope that through it we get to see the grace and love of our Father. Be with us this morning through your Holy Spirit, we pray, that as we read this word together, you may open our hearts to receive your good news afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, there was once a boy who worked out that if he said why in response to everything his dad ever said, he would quickly be able to turn his usual calm and collected father into a ball of fury and frustration. You need to put your school uniform on. Why? Because it's time to go to school, son, hurry up. Why? Because you have to go to school every day. Why? Because it's the rules, okay? Why? Because it's important to get an education. Why? Because it just is. All right. Now put your uniform on. Why? Oh, <laughs> so annoying. Now, you can put your hands up. No one's going to see you. It's okay. Who's guilty of doing this as a child? I'll put my hands up. I did. I did it lots. I'm sure my dad's blood pressure is rising right now as he's reminiscing about it all as he's watching. Sorry, dad. But this is for sure a common picture in many households across the world, isn't it? Children combining their mental intellect with their playful personality to annoy the hell out of adults, asking questions that are not really designed to have an answer. Children are constantly asking questions, some 
very annoying, some ridiculous and some rather important. And it's an instinct that doesn't grow old as we ourselves grow old. Yeah, the questions might get a little bit more complicated when we start discussing things like politics or our beliefs and values. They certainly might get a little bit more meaningful as we ask questions about jobs, future plans, family, relationships. Up there with the most meaningful is surely, will you marry me? Don't worry, I'm not proposing to you. Some questions can be really heavy and hard. Why is this happening to me? Why is our world so divided at the moment? Where are you, God? All of them, from the most significant down to the most silly, are building blocks that can define who we are and who we're not, what makes us human and what relates us to one another. C.S. Lewis wrote that, for Christians, the path of identity is found by looking to our Saviour Jesus, the one who gave himself for you. And in our reading from Matthew's Gospel that Fee read out to us this morning, we join a conversation between Jesus and his disciples where he's asking perhaps one of the most important questions of them all. Who do you say I am? If there's a question to live by in our lives, it might very well be this one. A question whose answer, one that's spoken by Peter in our passage, defines our Christian faith, as well as lies at the heart of the church, a family we can all belong to. Who is Jesus to you? I'd really encourage you, if you want this morning, to make a mental note of that right now, or similarly you can write it down if your memory like mine is more like a sieve. Your answer doesn't have to be as polished as Peter's. Nothing is off limits, trust me. Just think for a second, who is Jesus to you? Write it down and we'll come back to it later. For as we work through this passage together this morning, not only getting to grips with what it's saying, we're also gonna explore two big questions in turn. Who is Jesus? And in response, who are we? Does that sound okay? Well, let's firstly start at the beginning, a very good place to start, with verses 13 to 16 in our passage, where all these questions begin to flood in. So our passage kind of starts this morning, slap bang in the middle of a long bit of dialogue and walking the disciples and Jesus are doing together moving through different regions and meeting various people along the way. Last week we were in the region of Tyre and Sidon, hearing about the Canaanite woman's daughter, which Aaron brought to us. And in between that reading and ours this morning, Jesus has been to Galilee and fed 4,000 people, as well as questioned the teaching of the Jewish religious rulers. All that is in chapter 15. He's been a busy, busy man. And now they've arrived in the region of Caesarea Philippi, this was a city built entirely around a temple, worshipping the pagan Greek god Pan. And there, Jesus asks his two questions in our passage, the first in verse 13. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? This is not a question posed to the disciples in their cosy living room, sitting round a roaring fire drinking whiskey. Oh, no, 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 that was my night yesterday. This is a question posed in the middle of a city filled with people who do not recognise the God of the Torah, the Hebrew Bible and Old Testament. 
a location where professing Christ as Lord is about as unnerving and uncomfortable as it gets. I'm sure so many of us watching would have very little problem telling one another what we believe about Jesus. But how different do you think that would feel if you had to say it in a crowd of people who believe the exact opposite? And you can kind of hear the sort of panicked response from the disciples in the next verse as they pull together all manner of different answers to Jesus's question. Oh, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. Oh, let's not forget Jeremiah too. Some say him as well. I often wonder whether Jesus just heard their answer and just went, oh, okay, guys, let's try that one again, shall we? Immediately then turning to his second more direct question, well, who do you say I am? But personally, I do find it very interesting that this cover all bases tactic from the disciples is actually made because Jesus is not asking them what they think as individuals, but what people say the Son of Man is. Last November, our church opened its doors for the Lumiere Festival, and I was privileged enough to work alongside others in the chapel, running an art installation and prayer space titled, Who is Jesus? And the main part of that was getting visitors to write their view of Jesus on the glass doors to the chapel. So we created a display for others to see. Now, don't get me wrong, many of the answers were wonderful. We had about 230 or so in total. Some calling Jesus shepherd, king, friend, but others saying bearded guy, wacky dude. And even one saying simply mean. Our world just like the world of the disciples, has a myriad of different ways of viewing God, not just in different religions and faiths, but also in simply different views, positive, negative and misunderstood. All about who God might be and who that means we are in response. I think Jesus is kind of getting at that confusion here. Who do people say I am? Well, truth be told, we don't know. The disciples' answer reflects that, but neither are their answers void of any meaning. In fact, the three figures they do list, John the Baptist, Elijah and Jeremiah, all top blokes, who all say a whole lot of really good stuff, are also interestingly all focused in their writings and their prophecies towards the future promise of a coming Messiah. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king. In his days, Judah will be saved, Israel will dwell safely, and he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. That's taken from Jeremiah 23. And of course, famously in all four Gospels, John the Baptist is quoted saying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. It's as if the disciples answer here, though demonstrating a kind of collective haziness of who God is, actually still points towards Jesus, to an understanding of the Messiah that he will go on to fulfill. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the one who was promised, the one who will redeem humanity to God. And it's with that groundwork that Jesus then moves from the vague to the specific in verse 15, asking his second question, no longer who do people say I am, but who do you say I am? Who is Jesus to you? I don't want to underplay, guys, the importance of this verse for us this morning. 
The good news of the Gospels, the story of the whole Bible, is a message of love and hope and salvation for the entire world. But all of that is found in the way a personal God has made a personal relationship with you possible. You. You matter. Your answer matters. That's why Jesus asks his disciples this individualised question, who do you say I am? And he gets an individualised answer from Peter, who declares in verse 16, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not Mark's Peter. You could probably write a whole sermon just on these 10 words, to be honest. They are packed full of meaning. Come chat about it after the service over coffee with me on Zoom if you fancy it. But what is very clear to me is that Peter's confession not only reveals Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah, the Saviour which was promised by John the Baptist and Elijah and Jeremiah and many others, but that Jesus is also so much more. He is the Son of God. One of my favourite books, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, by a man called Nabil Qureshi, is a story of a devout Muslim's journey from Islam to Christianity. It's a really wonderful book, honest and respectful and sensitive. And at its heart is a chapter where Nabil writes about beginning to believe that Jesus was the Son of God himself. He goes, I realised for the first time that just as a child often looks like their father, so if Jesus claims to be the Son of God, then knowing who Jesus is, is knowing who God is also. Believing and trusting in who Jesus is, that he is both human and divine, is to see God the Father up close. Through Jesus, a God whose majesty meant less to him than his children. A God through Jesus who died a painful human death so you can have eternal life. And a God through Jesus who is ever inviting you to trust that he is there and that he is good. This is a question, friends, that demands faith as the answer. That's why in verse 17 of our passage, Jesus reminds Peter that flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Peter has been witness to countless miracles, to many stories of Jesus' teachings, to all the sights, sounds, tastes and bad smells probably of doing life alongside him. And he will continue to experience them right up to Jesus' death and resurrection. But it's not these physical experiences that have led Peter to shout, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. No, it's Peter's faith in who Jesus is, that to him, Jesus is God, a God who is alive and who is with us. Who is Jesus to you? Truth be told, our passage could probably end here on the high note of Peter's amazing confession of faith. But dare I say it gets even better. For as soon as Peter answers the question, who is Jesus? Jesus then answers the question, who is Peter? Saying in verse 18, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. It's as if Jesus goes, Peter, you know me by name. So now I name you as one of my own. His identity is now found in God himself. 
And this is so important for answering our second big question, who are we? Because if we choose to believe and trust that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is our Lord and Saviour, then we will, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, become a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. A couple of weeks ago, one of our curates, Maeve, shared her faith story, part of a new rhythm we're doing as a church family together. You can check them out online. I'd heard Maeve share her story before, but what struck me again as I heard it for a second time was this experience of newness, of when inviting Jesus into her life, in her own words, everything changed. I was seeing the world in black and white, and then suddenly someone turned on the colour. This is the new identity, the new life Jesus is calling us all into when we know him as our God. And then secondly, Jesus doesn't just name Peter, he then gives him a calling to be a founder, a rock of the church. There's a lot of discussion on this point here, as I'm sure you know, whether or not this rock of the church in verse 18 is Peter himself, owing to the Greek words for both Peter and rock, Petros and Petra being very similar, or whether the rock in question is the faith Peter has shown. But nonetheless, what I find more convincing is the fact that it's not Peter who alone builds the church, but Jesus himself. And on this rock, I, Jesus, I will build my church. And that's a truth that travels down the ages to today. The church is currently in a really difficult season, struggling to know when best to physically reopen our buildings, to return to what was normal, to engage with a world that is feeling a whole lot of fear. I really pain at having to speak this message to you all on a blank computer screen this morning, longing that one day we'll all be able to give each other big hugs of welcome once again. But our passage this morning should remind us that in the building of the church, in the problems or struggles we may face, we're called not to take big steps before having big faith, to trust that Jesus is still Lord and is still King, that we are his church and he is at work building it for his glory. That's a calling to each and every one of us as a community of faith here in Durham and how we continue to build family even when physically separated, to continue to love our city and serve it through proclaiming Jesus as God. I lead our church's Healing on the Streets ministry where we go and tell and pray for the people of Durham every Saturday. We're looking for new people to join us. Maybe it could be you. Please get in touch. But this is also a calling for us as individuals, taking us back round, full circle, to the beginning of our talk today. I asked you to write or make a mental note of who Jesus is for you. And maybe you look at your answer and go, yeah, 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 I know who Jesus is. He is my Lord, my God. And that's wonderful. Maybe you could ask yourself over this coming week how you might share that with those around you who don't know Jesus in that way. Maybe you look at your answer and you're like, yeah, I think I know who Jesus is, but there are parts of my life which just feel a bit far from him. Or maybe there's something going on at the moment that is making you doubt something Jesus says he is. 
might I encourage you to share that with someone. There's our prayer ministry team that you can get in touch with during the service or just chat and pray with a Christian friend you trust. Our God is full to the brim with love and he wants to pour that out on you today. Or maybe you look at your answer and it says something like bearded guy and you know that you don't really know Jesus that well and that's absolutely fine. He is calling us all to know his love and grace personally, to answer the question, who do you say I am? It's not just about what we think, it's about what we say. Who do you say I am? The answer is in your hands and I promise you won't be disappointed. For we and our world need to know Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is our saviour. He's our living saviour for this day now and for days eternal. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.